0: Interested in all things oil and gas? We've got a podcast for you, The Energy Pipeline. Join us each week as we cover the latest trends, transformations, and success stories alongside various key figures from the world's leading energy companies and beyond. Listen to The Energy Pipeline wherever you stream your podcasts or visit cat.com slash pipeline. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of World Oil Deep Dive. Our episode today is a cross-release with the FPSO Coalition podcast. In this episode, we hear from experts at SLB and Rockwell Automation on practices to accelerate and de-risk the FPSO project cycle. The FPSO Coalition can be found on all major podcasting platforms. We hope you enjoy. You're listening to the FPSO Coalition podcast. Strategies to Accelerate FPSO Performance Evolution, brought to you by SLB, Rockwell Automation, Sensia, and Cognite.
1: Welcome to another episode of the FPSO Coalition podcast series. Uh, Today we're going to talk about accelerating and de-risking the FPSO project cycle, and I'm here today with Greg and Jim. Uh, So thank you for being here today, and uh, do you want to take some time to introduce yourselves?
2: Greg, would you like to go first?
0: Sure. 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 Thanks, Kuna. Uh, my name is Greg Trossel. I'm with uh, Rockwell Automation. I lead our floating production initiative globally uh, for both Rockwell and our uh, joint venture company, Sensia. Uh, and floating production initiative really focused on FPSOs and
2: FLNG. Great. And uh, I'm Jim Keo. I am the global product manager for SLB, I've been in the industry for about 35 years, with key focus on process equipment uh, all around the world. FBSOs is clearly one of our uh, material areas of business that we focus on. So glad to be here, Kiona.
1: Yeah. Thanks, and I'm Kiona. I am the production systems data strategy manager for SLB. Uh, With that, let's get started with some questions that we have for you. Uh, Firstly, what is being done across the industry to ensure that the new pace of discovery to production is sustainable?
2: Yeah, let me take that one. Um, Kiona, it's all about early engagement and strategic partnerships at all levels of a development. When you look at how a classic project development flows, it typically goes in a very linear fashion from conceptual designs to feed studies to a procurement phase to the execution and everything else. So what you're looking to do is try to streamline that that process in some way. The best way to do that is through early engagement and strategic partnerships, now, early engagement allows companies that are trusted companies to be able to embed technical resources into a client's offices so that they can have real time information to help streamline their decision making process. By doing this, they're able to actually come to technical solutions much faster and move into a procurement phase as, as quickly as possible the reason why procurement phase a uh, uh, quick procurement phase is important is because you are able to put long lead critical path items on order sooner than a classic the, than the classic way of doing things what happens on the, on a linear on a linear structure is that each phase creates multiple solutions multiple clients multiple vendors and all of this has a time lag associated with it so strategic partnerships and this early engagement is the way to go Strategic partnerships tend to come over time as, uh, as a client will look back and to start to see patterns of procurement that develop um, from their previous projects. That is where you see a strategic partnership naturally falling out. So the sustainability part comes as a result of all of this, because the sustainability, one one of the most, the least sustainable things that we have in our industry is resources. Um, and so, when you go to a classic way of developing a, a field or a project itself, and you engage multiple, multiple companies in, in each of these phases, it just takes so long. And what you find out is not only the quality is low, the time is long, but you're not getting to the answer uh, that you're truly, truly looking for. So, the sustainability, as I said, comes as a result of these key partnerships and, and uh, early engagements.
1: Okay, great, thanks, Jim. Um, that's a great focus on sort of the resources and the play into sustainability. But I think there's, you know, opportunities for other ways to uh, to help accelerate project timelines. So, what about uh, some digital solutions that may help with that?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know, to Jim's point, um, we've got. Um, an effort to keep pace uh, of, of the projects with with the discoveries, but as a coalition, we're actually um, working to continuously improve the schedule of an FPSO project. And the industry's definitely made improvements in that area, uh, certainly. But we really believe that the adoption and uh, development of digital solutions uh, will continue to kind of provide uh, those improvements. So if we look at a couple of examples, um, we can start with life cycle simulation, right? This is the term that, that we're using that talks about the idea that from the very beginning of a, of a process or production facility, in this case, an, an FPSO, that we're modeling it right from the beginning of the conceptual phase and that we use that model or multiple models uh, to further develop and, and continue to build uh, through the design and engineering phases of the project. So those models are constantly being developed. And then we take it then from the engineering phase, even through kind of an as-built uh, uh, part of the model to as-operated. And that really allows those models to continue to live through the life cycle of the project. And now those models are available to continuously look to optimize maybe redesign. Of course, these FPSOs are in operation 20, 25, 30 years. There's gonna be many opportunities to optimize and redesign those. And having those uh, models available uh, throughout the life of the project is really so critical. So the idea of life cycle simulation is really uh, is really important. Um, if we look at another example, um, during the design and procurement phase of a, of a project, for example, we have a well-known methodology for standardizing on hardware and software, uh, specifically around the key systems that come with uh, production modules, systems like your automation and control systems or your your power systems. Um, If we apply this standardization methodology, not only are we improving the schedule through the engineering, procurement, and startup um, phase, but we're directly affecting the bottom line of the project because we're taking the interface risk away from the shipyard away from all these modules coming together uh, and and maybe not interacting or 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 plugging together the way they should so it's it's an important concept and an important digital concept that directly affects the schedule in that way Um, we've also seen a dramatic shift in the industry towards remote testing and remote validation you know these FPSO projects are modular they're global things are coming in, into in, into place from all over the world and so th- being able to remotely test and validate that these systems are uh in line with the project specifications that they're meeting the standards that they're gonna fit together when they when all the pieces arrive in the shipyard it's it's really really uh, uh critical and and again takes risk off the project um as a final kind of a digital example uh, we could we can talk about digital integration and the idea that so much data is generated during the project and how is that data being then transferred and used um, in in operations and and again for that kind of continuous improvement cycle. So managing the data and being able to take static data, drawings, specifications, and combine that with the real-time operations data through the life of a project, it's a a critical uh, component of projects now and projects in the future. So uh, digital definitely has a lot to say about improving schedule, for sure.
1: Okay, great. Thank you, Greg. Um, Can you all provide some examples of de-risking projects that have also generated value for customers, whether that's in the OpEx phase or CapEx or looking at total cost of ownership?
2: Sure, sure. Um, Keona, we'll have to keep this a little bit generic. Uh, as it would not be appropriate to name specific clients without their consent. But uh, we have ongoing examples of a few clients where we have used the early engagement that I was discussing about uh, to their advantage. Okay? Uh, we have been able to embed technical resources into their, product, their projects teams early on. Um, and as I had mentioned previously, this uh, gives them real-time data as they're going through their various scenarios and their what-if what-if analyses on how they want to develop this field. By having um, key resources, key technical resources, sitting there with their projects teams, they're able to ask the right questions. Uh, we can, uh, you know, our team can actually develop the solutions for them on the spot. It brings their, it makes their decision making. Much more streamlined, and allows them to uh, to come to a final final conclusion much quicker. As I also mentioned, this uh, this will definitely accelerate the procurement phase and be uh, allow the client to uh, to get their long lead or critical path items on on order much much faster. By doing this, it overlaps it overlaps the various phases of a project development and allows this to move forward much quickly. Obviously. Uh, from a financial sp- uh, perspective, we know that the faster you bring a product, a project online, and start to generate that cash flow, the much better the the finances of of the uh, of the situation looks like. So that's the key driver for this methodology. But from a de-risking standpoint, what our clients have actually come to realize is that uh, by partnering with strategic vendors, proven technology partners, it allows them to not only have a successful execution phase but also through the production phase. You have a partner that's gonna be there with you for, the, for the, the life of the field and through the whole development. So, so again, not being able to specifically name names, I can say that we do have some very key clients out there that is engaging in this early, early engagement and strategic partnership strategy.
1: Okay, that's great. And that's great to see that benefit for our customers as well. Um, so one of the other things that we've talked about in, in previous episodes, um, and and as part of the FPSO coalition is is looking at digitally future proofing. So how does that work with digitally future proofing and FPSO from the planning stage as part of this this early project cycle?
0: Yeah, I think when we um, when we talk about digitally future proofing, um, what we really mean is that we want to use our our most advanced, our most flexible, um, our most adaptive tools and applications and infrastructure that allows for the adoption or the acceptance of future solutions and again when we're talking about a project with such a long uh, life cycle uh, it's really important to take all of that into consideration so in in a lot of cases it involves the use of open protocols open communication standards uh, that should be applicable for most if not all of the FPSO FPSO's uh, operational life. It also means that we have to be, as a coalition, on the forefront of the development of new standards, uh, especially those that are focused on um, an open concept, and 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 the um, the reduction of of proprietary uh, tools uh, that that that's kind of been prevalent in the industry for for decades now. Right. So as as the F- fpso coalition we really support this kind of forward thinking idea and that we are intimately involved in the development of those new solutions those new open standards and and protocols and the idea is to free the owners and the operators of 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 all all uh, production uh, vessels but uh, again in this case fpsos from kind of the inherent costs and the trappings of proprietary uh, systems and having to deal with those um, significant upgrades especially again during the life of a project that's going to be 20 25 30 years so um, so our our focus on digitally future proofing is really around kind of that the openness concept and being able to adapt and 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 to bring in third-party solutions however uh, it might fit and to have kind of the idea of what the architecture is going to Should look like and uh, and what's best for the for the life of the project
1: Yeah, great Um, So we've we've talked about the FPSO coalition or you all have mentioned the FPSO coalition a number of times Uh, Can you go into more details why the coalition exists? Why is it necessary?
2: Yeah, that's a great question Kiona It's, It's one that we get asked a lot since the announcement of this coalition back in May you know, As we look at the landscape of the FPSO industry, uh, with the existing fleet of over 200 on a global basis and a very, very significant growth curve planned for the next 10 years, uh, we believe there are, there are many companies from the operators and owners, the FPSO companies, strategic partners that I keep talking about, and technology companies, they've spent a significant amount of time and resource in developing solutions that uh, only consider an individual perspective. Uh, there's a clear lack of cooperation in consolidating these points into an overall strategy that addresses the full scope of the project and operational challenges that uh, that are facing the industry today. So recently, we've uh, seriously looked at bringing together expertise and technologies from different perspectives of the FPSO industry uh, that could collaborate and develop integrated solutions and address the needs of the industry in a much more broader perspective. Um, and by doing this better approach, for example, uh, they can combine our deep production experience with critical automation and control experience and then mix in the very latest of the uh, data management, data conceptualization, and the application of uh, uh, relevant digital solutions for the FPSO operator.
0: Yeah, and I think what's, what's interesting is that... Um, as as we came together and started discussing this concept of a of a coalition what we kind of quickly came to is that um what we're what we're hoping for is that the industry experiences a digital evolution uh in other words it's not just the same sort of slow and some would say painfully slow adoption of individual point solutions um usually after years of proof of concept exercises and 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 just a long lead time to get to where you want to go but but a willingness to adopt a much uh, broader set of solutions that's aimed at a specific outcome and so as a simple example um, we can look at several point solutions being developed today uh, such as uh, advanced automation Uh, uh, the use of robotics, um, enhanced uh, remote monitoring, maybe someday even remote control. control. Um, And yes, each one of those individual point solutions is is important and needs to be continuously developed, and we are uh, working on those uh, three points. But if we combine the three of them and, and say, okay, the idea of automation is to... Uh, is to put into place uh, systems that will allow the, the vessel to operate with less human inter- intervention. The idea of robotics is to try to replace uh, human activity that is either um, uh, manual and monotonous or it's dangerous or whatever it might be. The idea of remote monitoring and, and, e- and even remote control is, again, to uh, reduce the number of people uh, at risk um, through through being able to monitor and operate from from onshore, for example, all of that all, all of those three things combine to reduce the number of people at risk on the vessel that's a concept that the industry is moving towards, um, but we have to take the point solutions, but we have to see them in a broader perspective to get to to get to where we want to go um, and so what the coalition provides is the opportunity for us to bring together as jim mentioned the expertise from the production and operation side bring it together with automation and control expertise bring it together with how data is managed and how the data flows Um, if we look at the robotics example um it's important to have the 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 robots um manage from a, a, a work perspective uh, what their rounds are what data collect, they collect but then what do you do with the data once it's collected how does that data flow into making decisions and in, into uh improving operations so the coalition kind of brings together these these different areas of of expertise and of course um you know as we look at the digital future for fpsos we're not just saying technology for technology's sake but how are we utilizing technology to advance towards specific goals. I mentioned the reduction of of the number of people at risk, but that also applies to how we minimize, eliminate emissions. It applies to how we most efficiently use the intensive energy that's required for these kind of production units. So technology, the digital future is is definitely important, uh, but we have to focus our energies in the right way, and, and always keep in mind these, these major goals that we have uh, in front of us.
1: Yeah, I think that's really key to just having the goals and then being able to find the right technology or, or technical solutions to achieve those goals as opposed to leading with technology first. Right, right. So. right. exactly. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you both for your time this morning uh, and and walking us through how the coalition can help accelerate and de-risk the FPSO project cycle.
0: Really appreciate it. Thanks, Keanu. Thanks, we appreciate you tuning in to our show. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. If you have any inquiries for the host or regarding the topics discussed in this episode, kindly send us an email at fcp at worldoil.com.